You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Well, I've been friends with uh, Jurgen and Leanne for now. I think it's almost, I think Zoe is 12 years old, so I met them when she was first born. And we've been friends for now 12 years. I love your pastors. I love what they're doing in the city. I remember when you only had one location and it was in a uh, setup and breakdown. Uh, we were in the same position uh, as, as your pastors were. We were mobile for nine years. And uh, now I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I pastor a church called Freedom House Church. I'm married uh, to the same woman for 28 years, all in a row. You have to say that, all in a row. Next month will be 28 years. I have three kids, 23, 21, 19. Two of them are married already. So I got two out the house, one on their way out the house. Can somebody say naked room? Amen. All right. And so, uh, um, I, I, you know, I grew up uh, basically... Um, in, in, I'm, I'm probably 80% redneck. Is that okay to say? In, do y'all know what a redneck is in San Diego? Okay, the reason I say 80% because 20%, I don't like country music. I cannot stand, I know, I know, don't shout me down. One, one family member's here today, thank you. I don't know whoever clapped. I cannot stand country music, so I'm 80-20. The 20 is, and I have a lot of friends. One of my best, one of my good friends is Chris Lane. He's a country music singer. And uh, um, we played golf on Wednesday, and I said, I have one recommendation during golf. You cannot play country music. None of your songs can be played. And, of course, I beat him because of that. And so um, I used to go from, I lived in, grew up in Virginia, and so I would go to the eastern shore of North Carolina to visit my grandparents. Uh, My mother's mother, her name was Bobby. We didn't call her Mimi, Papa, or anything like that. And she... uh, um, she had a, a tra- she lived in a trailer because we're rednecks, and and so don't don't get offended if you live in a trailer, because I lived in one. All right, so we're right here, we're right here, and I would go every summer. And one of the and if if you are or know a redneck, then you understand what would ha- what what we do for entertainment. Okay, our entertainment at night consists of sitting outside in a screened-in porch and watching what's called a bug light. Okay, now how many of y'all know what a bug light is? Raise your hand. Now some of you have no idea what I'm talking about because you know there's some kind of movement to not kill bugs anymore, like PETA or something like that. But back in the day, we would sit outside, you know, and people would drink beer or would do whatever. I was younger, so I didn't drink beer. And so, but we would watch bugs fly into the bug light. And it was incredible to watch them because every time they would hit, they would go, Bzzz, you know. And if you're a kid, you would go get bugs to throw them into the bug light to see how loud of a noise you could make. And I always wondered, like, if there was just maybe one bug sitting off to the side going, gosh, all my friends just keep moving towards this bug light and they never come back. They die, like they just, and and I I wonder if somebody's finally gonna speak up and go, hey, stop moving towards this bug light. And what I've seen over the last few months is this bug light called fear, that people are just moving ever so easily to this illuminating light that they feel like they're gonna get comfort from and, 
and you know, whether it's media, whether it's what's going on in our community, whether it's connecting with people around what's going on, whether it's looking at the government and wondering who's gonna get elected or not get elected, or if somebody's gonna um, you know, find a vaccine and worry and anxiety and, and fear, and they're just, just kind of mesmerized, and all of a sudden, and I'm watching Christians, I mean, people that have sat in my church for years being zapped with fear. And so I just wanna take a few minutes today and I want to share with you how do I conquer fear, okay? Now, I am a teacher of the Bible, that's what I do, okay? So I'm not gonna scream at you, spit at you, um, I just teach. So if you have something to take notes on, I would encourage you because note takers go to heaven. I don't know about all the other people, but I know they get a fast pass right to Jesus when you take notes. He's gonna ask, let me see your notes. So how do I conquer fear? Now when I say the word fear, I know what you think about. You immediately, if you're a Bible person, you immediately think about 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. Now what I wanna do is I wanna break this passage down but I wanna go a little bit before it because we can get some context on why Paul, who wrote the book of Timothy, to a young man named Timothy who was struggling in overcoming fear. He was struggling because he was put in a very unknown situation, a very a kind of tough situation because he was the pastor of this church that didn't really, he didn't have the qualifications to do it. He wasn't supposed to do it, he was young, I can imagine that he probably had some older people in the crowd that he didn't know if he had the confidence or the security to do it. And so now Paul writes him this letter and I think he's writing it to us. And he writes this letter to Timothy. So I wanna go back just a few verses and then I'm gonna unpack that one verse and maybe give you some insight on some different things we can look at in regards to how God speaks to us about fear so we can walk out of this place today and never move towards that bug light again, amen? So look at 2 Timothy chapter one, beginning in verse three. I think they'll throw it up on the screen behind me. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Remember, this is Paul talking to Timothy as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night, night and day. Verse four, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Now look at verse five, look at verse five. He says, he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine, what's that word right there? Come on, say it loud, everybody. Faith, the genuine faith that is in you. Now everybody look at me for a second. Let me just, let me just tell you something about you that you may not know. There is enough faith in you to handle any situation or circumstance that you're sitting in right now. I want you to know that. I want you to believe that today. If you can just, just even, if, even if you're a little skeptic right now, Maybe a little skeptical going, well, you know, Pastor, I, I really, you don't know what I'm going through right now. Well, I don't believe our God, my Father, would put you in that circumstance if you didn't have enough faith to get out of it or overcome it. So he says the same thing to Timothy. He says, there is a genuine, a authentic, a perfected faith. It's not a mount, it has nothing to do with an amount because it's not the amount or the quantity of your faith, it is the quality of your faith. He says, the genuine faith that is in you. And if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois. I love some grandma faith. 
I love Grandma Faith. My grandma was a faith-filled woman. She's in heaven right now. And you know what she's doing right now? Clapping for me in the cloud. She's clapping for me. She said, she used to say I was her favorite preacher right behind Joel Osteen. So anyway. Thanks, Mimi. All right. Dwell first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. So what, what is Paul doing right here? He's letting us know that we all have a legacy of faith. Now, I know what you're thinking. You go, well, I'm the first Christian in my family. Well, then draw from your spiritual ancestors. You got Abraham, you got Isaac, you got Jacob, you got Peter, you got John, you got all of, you got Ruth, you got Naomi, you've got, um, you've got all these people in the Bible that you can draw from because you are a part of that ancestry. You are a part of the lineage of faith that could move mountains, that could tear down walls. Are y'all with me today? There's enough faith in you. So I want you to look at your neighbor right now, look at him and say, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. He says, I, I, I'm persuaded, guess what? It's in you also, Timothy. Therefore, whenever you see in the Bible a therefore, you always check what it's there for. So he's bridging a, a, a context gap. He's taking us from the understanding that in, out of each one of us, we have enough faith. Therefore, I remind you, Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. There's a deposit that's been made in you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're gonna unpack that in just a second. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Paul gets to pontificating right here. He starts preaching right here. And remember, what do you do with a therefore? You check what it's therefore. So whenever you're reading the Bible and you get to a therefore, just take a second, pause, go back and read what you just read because you can see what, what the writer is trying to get through to us in regards to what he just said to us. So Paul just, what did he just say to Timothy? God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So I wanna, I wanna remind you to not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. In other words, in 2020, now's the time to stand up for what you believe in. To not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Because I promise you, church, it's not gonna get easier. It is not gonna get easier to be a Christian. It's gonna be much easier to move towards that bug light and get zapped than it is to be a Christian. Jesus even made it clear in the last days, only those that endure will be saved. And so you've got, you've got to stand strong and not be ashamed. Stand up and declare who you are. Declare who your family is. Declare that you love Jesus. Therefore, be, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor be my, his prisoner. Who knows if, if Stacy's going to get arrested today. I'm just the guest speaker. She works here. I don't work here, all right? But share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us. How many of y'all would visit Stacy if she got arrested? Amen. About four of you, four of them. There's a cute guy in the back said he'd be right there with you. All right. Who has called us, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, why is Paul talking about this in regards to fear? Because when you know that Jesus was raised from the dead, our greatest fear or people's greatest fear is dying, death. Okay, I mean, that's, that's what people are afraid of, but you don't have to be afraid of dying. 
Because if, if you do die, if I die today, I'm gonna be with Jesus. Because he was raised from the dead. He defeated death for me. Are you following what I'm talking about? Has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to, to light through the good news. And that's our job, is to share the good news. So, so do not fear. You know, do not fear is the most repeated command in the Bible. More than prayer, more than have faith, more than miracles, do not fear. Do not, 103 different times God says, do not fear. He tells Abraham, when God speaks to Abraham, it says, I want you to go to a foreign country, a place that you don't know, you know, to move to another city that you had no connection with. You know what he told him to do? Don't fear. You know why? Because you don't have to fear the unknown. He told, he told Moses, Moses had killed an Egyptian, gone out into the wilderness for 40 years. He's on the backside of the desert, running from his crime. God gets a hold of him and says, hey, you know what I want you to do? Go back to the scene of crime. You know why? Because you don't have to fear your past. He tells, he tells, he tells David, he says, David, you're anointed king. However, there's somebody still sitting in the throne. And so you need to be careful. Do not fear. Why? Because you don't have to fear man. You don't ever have to be afraid of what man will do to you. You don't have to be afraid of somebody's weird comment on your Facebook page. You don't have to be afraid of somebody who's spoken against you. David, you don't have to fear. I mean, I could go down the list. Joshua, do not fear. Daniel, do not fear. Isaiah. So, so here's the thing. People are feeding their fears instead of feeding their faith. Why? Because whatever you feed grows. If you are having more fears, it's because you're feeding it. So let me ask you the question. I wanna I just ask you a question. How much time are you researching your fears instead of researching your faith? How much time are you spending listening to the news as opposed to reading your Bible? Can I just challenge you this week? How about take seven days and fast Fox News, CNN, whatever you listen to, turn it off and turn on the U version. If you're dealing with anxiety and, and panic or, or fear, then turn off what is feeding those fears and start researching your lineage of faith and watch how God will move in your life. The psalmist said this in Psalms 34, verse four. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. He heard me. I, I reached out to God and he heard my voice and, 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 and delivered me from all my fears. Now, I'm, I'm, I have you know, a few people around me that are really big thinkers. They think way better than, they're way smarter than I do. And, and when I preached this message, the question they came to me with, well, does that mean I can't be pragmatic about what's going on around me? Am I supposed to be un, am I supposed to just totally dis my, disconnect myself from reality? And here's where I wanna, I wanna just challenge you in your walk as a believer. If you're a Christian, if you are born again, if you are saved, if you have been bought by the blood of the lamb, if you, I'm trying to cover all the bases. Um, if, if, you're, if you're a believer, what, I'm gonna ask you, what are you pragmatic about? Because if we say we're saved, then our reality is different than the reality of the world. In other words, we don't believe what we see, hear, feel. Your feelings will betray you. Your feelings are the worst leaders you can have in your life. 
They really are. They're terrible leaders. Terrible. What we see, why? Because we are spiritual beings. We, we live in the spirit realm. So our reality comes from that realm. So I am pragmatic. I'm pragmatic that the coronavirus, COVID is a real thing. It's real. However, by his stripes, I am healed, which is the spiritual side of things. Now, does that mean that I'm not, I'm not I don't use wisdom? No, that, that's not what I mean. I'm not talking about not using wisdom, but, but I'm gonna use a different reality to have a perspective of what I'm living in. We all deal with fears or God wouldn't have made it the number one command in the Bible. So look at your neighbor one more time. Just, say, just tell him, say, do not fear. So look at, now let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Let's throw that verse on the screen if we can. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Can we all read this together? Is that all right? Okay, class, can we just all read this together? Everybody participate, no spectating. Ready? One, two, three. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Very good. Give yourselves a hand. Very good. So let's break this down. What is, what is, what is God telling us? Okay, so first thing he says is God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit that wants to take the place of God. Notice it says fear is a spirit. Fear's not an emotion. It creates an emotion, but that emotion is worry, anxiety, distress, uncertainty, prayerlessness. That's, that's the emotion that fear gives you. Let me ask you a question. What is God? What is God? God is a spirit. God is love, of course, that first, first Corinthians. But what is he? He is a spirit. So God is letting us know that there is this antithesis to him called fear that he has not given you. So what fear does is try to take the place of God. And let me prove it to you. You gotta go back to the book of Genesis. And the book of Genesis is the first time you ever see fear in existence. Remember in Genesis chapter three, when, when the serpent came to Eve and said, hey, why don't you eat of the fruit of this tree, the knowledge of good and evil? Um, if you eat of it, you'll be just like God. Okay, time out. They were already like God. The Bible says they were made in his image. So what was the devil trying to trick them to do? What was he trying to get convince the, the Adam and Eve to do? He was trying to convince them to take their, their dependence in God and put it in their dependence of themselves. And that's exactly what fear does. Fear tries to remove God from the throne of your heart and put your feelings, what you see, worry all in place of what God can do to you or wants to do for you. So what, did, what happened to Adam? When, 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 G, when God came down in, in the garden, he's walking through the garden, he goes, hey, where's Adam? Adam, where are you? Remember that? Remember the story? Hey, where are you? It's not like God lost Adam. Like, hey, did I put him here? You know, did we put him on this planet, Michael? I mean, what's up? Was it Mars? You know, no, that's not the point. He, and by the way, God never asks you a question that he doesn't know the answer to. He always asks you a question because he wants to be the answer. And so he says, where are you? Because he wanted to be the answer where Adam hid instead of hiding behind a bush. You remember what Adam said? He goes, 
I hid myself because I was afraid. Nobody had taught them fear. Fear had never existed in the Garden of Eden until Adam removed himself from his dependence on God. And that's exactly what fear wants to do in our life. It wants to remove our dependence upon God. So it's a trade you can't afford to make. See, when God gives us peace, fear gives you anxiety. Flips it. When God gives you comfort, fear gives you distress. When God gives you confidence, fear gives you uncertainty. So what does God do? He gives us three things, power, love, and a sound mind. Now, whenever God gives you something, you can tell that you are in whatever he's given you. You are like fear, for example. He says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. You can tell that you are suffering from fear by the opposite of what God has given you. So if he gave you power, love, and of a sound mind, we've gotta figure out what is the opposite of it in order for us to know, okay, I'm suffering from these symptoms of fear. Are you following what I'm saying? So he says, I, I've given you power. So God, first of all, gives us power. What, what, what does fear do, the opposite? It makes you feel powerless. It removes the possibilities that God's gonna move in your life. So if we feed the fear, then we look at our circumstances and get God's never gonna move. I'll never have enough money. I'll never buy a house. I'll never have a child. I'll never go to college. So it removes the possibilities and it makes me feel powerless in every situation. That's why God says, no, 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 no. You don't have to feel powerless because I've given you power. I've given you power. I've, give, I've given you everything you need, power, godliness, everything to deal with any, any circumstance that you may have to face in your life. So you don't have to feel powerless. Fear blinds us to the possibilities of God. When I, when I was dealing with panic and, and having panic attacks, and that's, you know, if you've ever had a panic attack, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel powerless. Like you are in, you feel like everything closes in around you and you're unable to do anything. You are incapacitated. And that's exactly what fear wants to do to us. And that's what's happening in our world right now. It wants to incapacitate you. Make you feel like that you can't do anything. But I love what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. He says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, all the power. Look at your neighbor, say, do not fear. Come on, is this all right? Y'all learning anything? Do not fear. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. I love Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So two words here, authority and power. Authority, remember New Testament written in Greek, translated into English. Authority is the Greek word exousia. Power is, the, is many times translated from the Greek word dunamis. And let me give an example of what this looks like. If, if, if I were a policeman, and I was standing on this platform, I, policemen have a badge, okay? That badge represents their authority, right? And their authority comes from what backs them. 
So in Charlotte, CMPD, that's their authority. For San Diego, I imagine it's the San Diego Police Department, SDPD, is that right? So they have a badge. Because he has a badge, or she has a badge, and she says, stop, what are you supposed to do? Stop. Get out of the car. What is he supposed to do? Get out of the car. Put your hands up. What are you supposed to do? Because they have authority. They have, they have authority to do that by what they say. If you don't listen to the authority, guess what they've been given? Dunamis. This is exactly like you and me. If you don't listen to the authority, then they got dunamis to back up. I don't know about you, but I don't want any dunamis coming at me. So I'm gonna lift my hands, I'm gonna get out of the car, I'm gonna stop whatever it needs to do because of this authority. It's exactly with you and I. What is your authority? The name of Jesus. You have the backing of heaven in any situation. And should the enemy not listen to you, God gave you the power, the miracle working power of God, the dunamis of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. Secondly is love. God loves us. 1 John 4, 18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has been made perfect in love. What is perfect love? Well, I, I, I love my wife but my love is imperfect. There's only one person that can give us perfect love, and that's God. Unconditional, mature, authentic love. His love is perfect. So what does fear do? What is the opposite of love? Indifference is actually the opposite of love. We become, because of what we see, feel, here we become indifferent. We, we become insensitive to everything around us. See, the more you know God loves you, the less things around you will affect you. And fear will cause you to question God. Well, God, if you really loved me, why am I going bankrupt? God, if you really loved me, why is my family just like this? What? God, if you really loved me, you start to question whether God even loves you or not. Can I just tell you today, God loves you. Loves you more than you'll ever know. You say, whoa, 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 how can you say that? You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm in right now. You don't know what I'm feeling right now. Look, I, I don't, but he does. And maybe, just maybe, there's a different plan that he has for you. Maybe, maybe there's something unique that he wants to do in your life. Maybe God's doing something in the background that we don't understand, that we can't comprehend. What if we can just kind of trust God that he really loves me and cares for me, that he's a father that will do anything for us, that, that will respond in any way he can for us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And then what does he say? God gives us clarity of a sound mind, a sound mind. And one thing I've learned about fear is it's always disguised as rational thought. There's always a reason to be afraid. Okay, let's be honest in church. 
How many of y'all are facing some fears today? Raise your hand if you're facing some fears. Joblessness. There's a reason. All of us have a reason. I have a reason. I got a church. I'm not even there today. Who knows what's going to happen? When the, when the cat's away, the mouse will play. I don't know if I'm going to even have a church to go back to. <laughs> My kids, you know, who, who knows? I always have a reason. I could, you know, I'm going to get on a plane and, and, you know, I could get sick. I could get COVID. You know, we'll, we all have a reason. But I've learned something. Faith must precede reason. Faith has to precede reason. So how do I conquer fear? How, how do I overcome this? Let me give you a practical, some practical stuff. Just in closing, let me just give you four practical things to, to conquer fear. We can throw them up on the screen for me. How do I conquer fear? With the prayers that I pray, with the promises that I learn, with the practices I live, and with the praise I sing. So here's what I want you to do. One of those this week. Maybe it's a prayer. How about you change your prayer? Because sometimes our, fear, our prayers can be rooted in fear and not faith. What about a promise? What, what promise do you need? God is your provider. God is your healer. God is your deliverer. Instead of researching the fear, how about we research the promise? How about we research the promise and discover exactly what God wants to do in our life? All, last time I read, all his promises are yes and amen. We sang it, yes and amen, amen. We sang amen a lot, amen, amen. So be it, I believe it, I receive it, God. Well, I don't see it yet, that's okay. I'm gonna keep believing it. Well, what if I go to heaven? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.